truth be known, many of us struggle with our prayer life. And if you are watching, you'll see my hand up right now. Um, been a believer all my adult life, and yet prayer is one of those areas which I consistently struggle. So two episodes ago, we started a conversation with Pastor Ben on prayer, and we're going to continue that today here at Life Talks. My name is Dan. I'm with Ben. We're the teaching pastors at Life Fellowship By the outside way, of Charlotte. How was Cuba? I just got back from Cuba, and it was a wonderful trip. I'm always energized when I go to Cuba. I hadn't been since before COVID. Man, that's crazy. And uh, yeah, for 22 years, I've been going. And uh, in fact, they presented me with a big poster Showing, had a picture of me there 22 years ago. Wow. My first time teaching. It showed a picture of me 10 years ago in uh, a different city. And then the 40 pastors that we work with there wow. all that's, had their pictures. Wow, that's a really so, awesome. Yeah, it's a really great trip. That's cool. Pray for the people of Cuba. They're going through an enti- in, uh, just an incredibly terrible time of hardship. Hmm. Uh, just, you know, if you ever want to see what socialism and communism will do to an economy, you just visit Cuba. It's mm. very tragic, mm. but uh, the gospel's continuing. And it's always good to be back with my That's Cuban good. friends. So, and they need prayer. We need prayer. And yeah. we're talking about prayer. Yeah. So, Ben, last time we talked about what is prayer and we talked about how to pray. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw you a couple of curveballs that are born out of my own experiences, my own questions, and so forth. And I guarantee you, they're not just your questions. I think I think everyone has these questions. Yeah. So, let's, get, let's just yeah, jump right let's into the it. deep end. Let's do it. Why should I pray if we believe that God sees everything past, present, and future, if we believe in the sovereignty of God, the foreknowledge of God, if we believe in these things that Paul wrote of in Romans and in other places, Mm -hmm. why should I pray then if God already knows what's going to happen and what's going to do, what he's going to do? Because he commanded us to. (laughs) Thank thank you, A.W. Pink. Next question. No. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of the you know go. It's it's like God te- or a parent saying go do this, and the child saying why? And because I told you to. Like, mm-hmm. at some level, that works at a certain age. But mm-hmm. the more you mature, the more your your frontal lobe develops, the more your abstract thinking increases, the more you're wondering like, why am I doing this thing, right? And so I, I do think the question you bring up is a really valid one because if we really do believe, you know. When you study the 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 nature, the study of God, theology, we the Bible teaches there are certain things about God that um, that we can take to the bank about His character, His nature. Number one, God is sovereign. It means He is over all, and He is in control of all things. Right? We you mentioned it before. His foreknowledge, like He knows what's going to happen. He has ordained things that are going to happen, and you also have His immutability, which is the idea that God's character never changes. And so you have all of these theological concepts that the Bible prescribes and teaches, and then he's like, now I want you to pray so that I will work and move. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do with that, mm-hmm. right? So um, here's here's the, here's the my number one answer. I think this is a multi-layered answer. I don't think there's a you know, at some level, I do think because God commands us to is at some level a legitimate answer. But I think if prayer, if if we go back, to, if I want to revisit one of those pictures of prayer that I we talked about in, in a previous episode, if prayer is simply a slot machine that we put in our prayers and we get something from God, then yeah, there's no, you know, we praying is kind of, it's, it's one dimensional. We talked about the multi-dimensions. Prayer is about communion, right? It's about it's it's about this idea of uh, making sure that we are walking with Him, and so therefore, 
when it we'll we'll deal with the the supplication asking part, but if prayer is so much more than God, we we want you to do these things. Prayer ultimately is this idea of God's God's heart drawing our heart close to Him. And I think if we miss out on the relationship, if we miss out on the intimacy, if we miss out on the communion, then yeah, pr- prayer prayer is this one dimensional thing. I can understand that question, but if if we're just say, saying prayer is much more than that, and of course we should pray because we want to we want to converse and commune with God. Okay, let me just press into this a little yeah. harder. It's interesting you used an illustration there. I, I, it may have been a little bit of an accident or a mixed metaphor because you said if prayer is like a slot machine, yeah. when the common illustration is if prayer is like a vending machine. Mm-hmm. Did you use slot machine intentionally or were you thinking vending machine? No, I, I said slot machine. Okay. Yeah. So there are the, the, the other illustration of vending machine where we have an expectation that we insert right. prayer, yeah. press, press you know, E6, and all of a sudden- <clears throat> Something comes out. Yeah, the, the requested prayer request yeah. comes out. I use slot machine because you never know if something's going to come see, out. Well, you see, that's – and I think that's a more accurate sensation right. than I get from – from the you know the vending machine illustration, which yeah. Chuck Swindoll popularized in his mm. book *Grace Awakening*, but the the the, re, the reality is, it does feel like a slot machine, and at many times it feels like we're playing about the same odds. Mm. Yeah. So so, my question, I guess, as I roll that one up, is is this: Are there not other ways in which we can commune and fellowship with God, in which we can enjoy the presence that comes through the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and being reminded of the great truths of Scripture that that doesn't necessarily involve prayer. Yeah, I think I think obviously meditation is one of those. I think silence is one of those. But I think I, I think prayer is ultimately the the primary way in which we do commune with God, in which God does commune with our souls. And so I think uh it, it's kind of like it's kind of like this. Um after you get married to your wife do you still date her? Hmm. It's it's this idea of do you continually pursue her, and you can cont- or you know whatever your spouse is you know for us it's our wives but if we were to get married you know if we got married to both Julie and Liz and after we got married we're like well you're stuck with me mm-hmm. you know and I'm going to live my life and you do what you're supposed to do I'm going to do what, what I do that the, no we we are supposed to always continually pursue them and to do things with them and to make sure that relationship doesn't you know, wilt or wither away over the course of time. And prayer, pre- what prayer is, is this idea of it engages our hearts and it aligns our hearts. I talked about this last time. It aligns our hearts with God's heart. And I I really believe there, there are times that I have prayed for things over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, I'm, at, I'm God in the midst of this is saying, you, you've got the wrong motivation. Or he's really checking this this desire I have, is this really about me or is this about you, God? Right. And so there's there, I, I think prayer is this confrontation of our own will. And we'll talk about this a little bit in some of our other questions, but I think the the idea is prime if prime if primarily prayer is about communion, then the accomplishment of God's gonna do what he wants to do, that takes away some of the the ump of that question. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. And I, I would add to that you know, because I'm playing a little bit of a devil's advocate. But but the other thing, too, is if the only conversations you have with your spouse are prayers in which you have an expectation or want something, <laughs> yeah. those are those are generally not forms of healthy communication. Honey, get this right? for me. Honey, buy this for me. You yeah. Know what I mean? yeah, yeah. So yeah. I think sometimes we have to remember that yeah, our communication with God always not always be on our list of wants and needs. 
Yes. So, but to really answer this question in the realm of the idea of the supplications, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, because God does ask us to ask him, you have this idea in Luke 11 to ask, seek, and knock, mm-hmm. right? There's this story that, that Jesus tells about a man who has a visitor and he has no bread. And he goes and knocks on his, you know, neighbor's door and incessantly, and the neighbor's like, "Go to bed." I'm, in, you know, I'm in bed already, and my my kids are in it. And he keeps giving him excuses, and he keeps like, "I need bread, I need bread." And he says, based on the persistence of the man, he will get up and, you know, give him the bread. Mm-hmm. And my dad has a really great sermon on on that passage. I love Luke 11 um, because one of the things he said, the reason why he kept knocking at the door, he said, all the the next door neighbor could have given him one simple answer and he would have stopped knocking. And that is this, I don't have any bread in here. Hmm. If he would have told him the bread's not in the house, he would have stopped knocking. Hmm. And so the whole point of, um, why should I pray if God's going to do what he wants to do? I think it's part of, part of the process of praying is learning how to ask for the right things, making sure that we're praying for the right things. That's, that's number one. But number two, I believe that God, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take the sovereignty of God, the foreknowledge of God, the immutability of God, here's here's the best explanation I can give to you of why God still says pray. I believe that God ordains prayer as one of the means to accomplish his will. I believe that God does have a will. I believe that God has a plan. I believe that God has a purpose for all of the not just not just the grand story, but all of the pieces within the story, okay? And I believe that God has wired into his, his accomplished will and his accomplished plan that it, it, it takes prayer to accomplish the work. I mean, God could at any point just snap his fingers or whatever he does, and, you know, he spoke the world into existence. Um, and yet he invites us to pray to participate in what he accomplishes. It's very similar to, if you think about it, prayer, praying and asking God— for for his will to be done is very similar to God commissioning us to make disciples. Does God need you or I to to share Jesus with anyone? No. No. I mean, God could paint things in the sky. He could he could give someone a dream saying, I want you to go pick up this book at the I mean, I've heard stories of Muslims tell this, you know, because there's no gospel presence anywhere in some of these close countries. A guy has a dream. He has a dream about this bookstore and going and buying a certain book and he buys this book and it's the Bible and he reads it and he accepts it. Like God can do that mm-hmm. all the time. But what does he say? I want you to make disciples. Now, you and I both know we don't we, we can't make we can't change anybody's heart. But God has God has ordained the the usage of people to accomplish his will. And I think that's one of the things that we have to understand is that God invites us to be a part of the process and a part of the plan to help accomplish his will. And prayer is one of those, those the means by which he accomplishes his will. And so that's, that, that is the ultimate answer I can give to that question. Right. So a follow-up to that then, and again, my apologies up front for not, because often, you know, when we do these, we talk about questions up front, but sometimes what you say brings out more questions, right? So can we change God's mind? Because again, if it is preordained and it's pre-known by God, the answer would be no. Yet we have examples in the scripture where God literally used the words, 
he repented. Uh, yeah. uh, he was going to do the X, yeah. and he ended he was up doing do this and Y. Did, I mean, a perfect example of this is um, on Mount Sinai, right. right? When when God says, I'm going to destroy them, and I'll make you into a great nation. Now, I think what we have to understand is God would have been in completely within the realm of his covenant, prom- fulfilling his covenant promise, because Moses would have still been of the seed of Abraham, would have mm-hmm. started all over. But, you know, so, so it's not like God was like he changed his promises or changed his, uh, you know, that the covenant would have still yeah, been the consistent. Was yes. Still there. Yeah. But we do see God change his mind. Again, God's immutability is does not mean does does not mean that God doesn't doesn't change his, you know, God wasn't up. What I'm saying is God wasn't up in Mount Sinai just threatening this and just saying, what are you going to do, Moses? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I really believe he was going to do that. And Moses stands in the gap and becomes this mediator between God's wrath and the people's sin. And it's a picture of the cross, right? But I do believe that God was intending on doing it. Moses stands in the gap and says, no, God, do not, you know, do not do that. Because think about what the Egyptians will say. Think about your glory, your honor. And, and God's like, okay, I won't do it. Um, did God know, you know, th- this is where we get into the mind of God. Did God know that Moses was going to do that? Yeah, and I was like, I wonder what he's going to say. Like, but I do believe that there is a, in the way that God does, um, you know, ch- maybe change the timing of things, but it's changing the timing from our perspective. Mm-hmm. Not, it's not changing anything from His perspective. It's changing things from our perspective of things, and that's where it gets really difficult to us as time-based, you know, time-space reality creatures who only think in linear and and are bound by a lot of limitations. We're not God. And so when God says and does things, how it equates to our own time-space reality, sometimes there's like, I don't understand how that happened. Right. But I do believe that that do our prayers influence God? I would say yes. Yeah. And I think it's also indication of God's absolute commitment to engage us on our terms without him compromising his terms. Right. Um, God knew he created us with a finite capacity mm-hmm. to comprehend mm-hmm. how he works. And and yet he condescended. He condescends mm. with us um, to, to bear our burdens, to feel our pain, to experience some of our experiences through Christ. Yes. Um, and, and, and so in that, there is a comfort that he can relate to that which he has created. That's right. But yeah. he never abandons his sovereignty. He never abandons right. his authority. He never yeah. abandons those unique characteristics that are exclusively his mm-hmm. and will never be experienced yeah. by us. Yeah. And which makes God so unique among perceived gods. Yes. And, it, and it's re- when you think about it that way, it's like does God moves in the reason the whole reason why you and I pray is because God's spirit works in our hearts to pray. So it's it's like God's spirit works in our hearts to pray to accomplish His will because you and I wouldn't pray if it was up to us. Right. Which right. in our own natural state we would never seek God and we wouldn't you know ask for the right things and yet God and I think we there's also this free, freedom that we have that we can reject the spirit's prompting and what the spirit of God will do is he'll just say well I'll just work in this person's life too you know you know what I mean and so from our perspective it feels like God is changing or God is modifying and God because of his foreknowledge is doing everything that is in accordance of his will but there's still an operation of our of our freedom in in certain aspects so I think there's this um all 
along the way, there's this mysterious part of prayer that we just have to say, I don't understand it fully, but I do know that God invites us to it and it works. Yeah. And and I think we also have to understand that these are, this is one of those multiple topics where there is a lot of suppositional theorizing that goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, people have tried to explain the sovereignty issue well before Calvin, but Calvin right. and on. Um, who's the guy, was it Greg Baker? Well, who, what was the guy's name that basically said God intentionally chooses to remain ignorant of some things? Oh, uh, I think it's Greg Boyd. Greg the, Boyd, the, that's the, it. The yeah. open and theist, with, yeah. yeah it, which, yeah, the open theism theory, which I would disagree with strongly yeah, and, 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 and many Orthodox evangelicals will, but you know, he's correct on a whole lot of other things and it makes for an interesting conversation. Yeah. I happen to hold a position where I at least entertain the idea of an, uh, of a um, middle knowledge, n- not necessarily Molinism, but, mm-hmm. but a middle knowledge, whereas God knows what he knows and God knows what we would say he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. In other words, God knows if I married woman A, what would happen? God knows what if I were to marry woman B. Right, totally. And he knows who I'm going to marry, A or B, but he also knows what would have happened yeah, if I'd married 100%, A. hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, so so at that at that level, I, I, again, you say, well, that gets overwhelming to think about that. Exactly, that's why we're not God. <laughs> you know? And that comes down to why we need to pray. And I think one of the things that, um, one of the things that it comes to, you know, We'll get into this the next question in, in our next episode, but a lot of times when it comes to what we pray for, we won't really understand all that the things that we should have been praying for all along until we look in the rearview mirror of life. True. true. I think I think there's a lot of times we, when we're looking at the windshield, we're praying for things and we're asking God to do things, and and God might change or modify some of our requests, or He might bring people into our life or circumstances into our life that change the way we pray or how we pray. And then when we look in the rearview mirror, we see how God orchestrated some of those moments and some of those events to transpire to get what He wanted all along. Yeah. And but but I think that the component we have to remember is God. I'll go back to the statement: God ordains prayer as a means to accomplish His will, just like He ordains humans as a means, as tools He uses to be His mouthpiece to tell people about Jesus. He doesn't need our voice. He uses our voice. He doesn't need our prayers, but he uses our prayers because God is always looking for partners. He's always looking for partners in this world. And so what he's inviting us into in prayer is come come partner with me to do what I want to do in this world. Hmm. And I think that's where we have to look at prayer as we're partnering with God. It's not like we are coming up with, you know, God, we're begging God and God's up in heaven. Like, well, maybe... I think that's the wrong perception. And if we look at God's heart towards us in prayer, I think it changes the way how we pray. In in many ways, if we pray, how we pray, uh, the extent to which we pray are all a reflection of our own spiritual progress. Mm, You know, that's such a great point. the, The child does not even know to ask their parents as they mature they ask their parents but they ask their parents selfishly mm. as as in you know and and one of the things a wise parent does it says well let's answer, let's ask and answer questions mm. you ask me a question i'll give you an answer let me ask you a question let's see what you say mm-hmm. you know it's part of the the dialogue helps bring about maturity we learn things about ourselves we learn things that we don't know um but our questions are going to be far more sophisticated at 35 than they are at 5 yeah and and our whole 
trust issues mature as, as mm. we go. So I, I, one of the reasons we ought to persevere in prayer is because we ought to persevere in our own progress. Yeah, that's a great. And I, I was just thinking about what's the premise behind why should I pray if God's going to do what he wants to do? I think that the premise behind that is I don't want to waste time. Mm. I don't I don't I don't want to do something that feels like a waste of time to me. Mm. And so if we feel like well God's just going to do it anyways, mm. it feels like almost like is it, it's almost like is God just keeping me busy? Mm. Is God giving me, you know, you know when, when you're a student at school mm-hmm. and your teacher gave you busy work at yeah. the desk to be like keeping you like God's like I got to keep them praying so they don't get involved in all the other garbage that's out. You know like yeah. that that's not God's heart. And if mm. we understand the, the kingdom-centeredness of prayer as much as the communion-centeredness of prayer, that those two go hand in hand. It's it's never one without the other. And I think th- that's the, you're never going to waste time praying. Mm. That's my, that's that's the thing, I, final thing I, I felt like I wanted to say. Absolutely. Well, as always, a, a stimulating conversation. One, I hope that you will continue uh, meditating upon as your day continues and as your your drive or your your exercise routine or whatever you're doing at this moment, uh, knowing this, that we ought always to pray, knowing that God has commanded and asked us to do so, mm. knowing that what he asks us to do is for our own good and for his glory. Mm. So as always, we thank you for listening to Life Talks, and we hope that you'll share us uh, with your friends on social media and the people you communicate to on a day-to-day basis. And until next time, we always appreciate you joining us here at Life Talks. You've been listening to Life Talks. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so you never miss a new episode. Share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to let your friends and family know about Life Talks. We'd love to hear from you as well, so leave a comment and let us know your thoughts on this episode or any other topics we've discussed. The Ministry of Life Fellowship in Cornelius, North Carolina. For more information on Life Talks or Life Fellowship, visit LifeCharlotte.com or you can find us on Facebook at Life Fellowship Charlotte.